This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Shooter ready. Stand by. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio. We are your Second Amendment community. Interviews, product reviews, politics, trivia. Gun Owners Radio has it all and more. Check us out at gunownersradio.com and tune in every week to hear Dave Stahl, Michael Schwartz, and all our guests talk about everything Second Amendment. Here we go. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Inland Empire Gun Owners strives to be the ounce of prevention in the fight for your gun rights. And how do they do it? Well, they do it by holding fundraisers and getting local pro-gun candidates elected. Become a member today. Go to iegunowners.com slash join and join the growing number of responsible gun owners uh, stepping up to defend our second amendments that's iegunowners.com slash join well michael did you wear your dancing shoes out last night it was awesome the uh, that first time you been at that museum it is the first time I've been to the museum. It was a really nice museum. You know, it, it, I, uh, I've, you know, driven past it 150 uh, times. Exactly. You know, on the, what is it? Is it off the 215 or the 15? Uh-huh, 215. 215. Off the 215, but uh, that's the first time I've ever been in there. Pretty it was cool. amazing. Yeah. You know, they got an SR-71 right in the, right yeah. inside. They got a B-17, which is I like. They got a B-17. Yes. Indeed. They have all kinds of cool stuff. It was really nice, but the best part of that museum right. was Gun Prom. Yeah. Was it a good one? It was. It was a very good one. Uh, 200... Just over 200 people. And wow. Yeah. It's pretty good first time out of the box. It was, Yeah, it was really, really cool. They had some really, really cool uh, prizes and uh, giveaways. And guest speakers. Guest speakers, AWR, who's going to be in uh, in the studio with us here. AWR gave a great speech. Desi from Not Me gave a great speech. Mm-hmm. Michael uh, Schwartz. Michael Schwartz gave, gave a great speech. Brought, brought the house down. I know. You must have just rocked. There was not a wet eye. What about there. Action Jackson? <laughs> You didn't make. Where were you, man? Yeah, where were you, man? Uh, I forgot all about that gun problem. You <laughs> forgot all about it. Oh my god, we had a special chair for you. Yeah, yeah. We had your front and center. And yeah, we had a tank that you could drive. Hey, man, you got an. You got an. What's your? You got your. Uh, you had an Oreo joke. I want to hear your Oreo joke. An Oreo joke. Uh, yeah. Let me pull it up real quick. All right, fire away. Fire away. Uh, where the heck is it? Yeah, what'd you do with it? Don't you hate that when you're not prepared? Yes. That's your mom's We could have used some Oreo jokes at the uh, at the dinner. I know. I like uh, Oreos. Why did the Oreo go to? Remember? Remember? Why did the Oreo? Why did the Oreo go to the dentist? Why did the Oreo go to the dentist? I don't, I don't know. know why. Why? It lost its filling. Hey, <laughs> hey what did you think of those? M&M peanuts. They were delicious. See, I told you so. They're better than the ones without nuts, huh? Or yeah. what do you think? You like them with or without? Without. Well, did you say without? Hey, somebody just turned me off. <laughs> what are we well, doing? Sorry to hear that. <laughs> so, Inland Empire Gun, I can hear you. You're, you're still clear. Inland Empire Gun Owners Gun Problem was fantastic last night. Big, huge congratulations to Carla. And Michael Talley uh, for uh, for doing all that. You guys did a fantastic job. Um, your your very first gun prom, and uh, it looked like it was old hat. It looked like you guys knew exactly what you were doing the whole time. Fantastic job. Thank you so much to the entire crew. 
Um, and thank you, Desi, for speaking. And uh, and uh, John Becker from San Diego, thank you for coming on up uh, right. to Inland Empire and helping out. And thank you to all the Inland Empire gun owner volunteers. It was really, really a nice event. How was the food? Delicious. They had uh, brisket and chicken, barbecue really? chicken. And That's better than ours. Potatoes. That's better than ours. <laughs> well, you it was pretty good. It. it was pretty guys good. To go down. I think they would. I was actually talking to them. So. <laughs> it must have been really good then. Yeah. And a big thank you to Klinger Holsters for your holster package donation to uh, Gun Prom, to Inland Empire Gun Owners Gun Prom. You guys did uh, a fantastic job. So they have a lot of good, cool giveaways? A lot of really cool giveaways. Not giveaway, but raffle prizes. It was a lot of good prizes, um, uh, guns and training. I didn't win anything. I never never play. Oh, why not? I I feel like if I won something, you know what I mean? You'd have to give it to Action Jackson. It would look rigged. Yeah, but Action Jackson would like it. Yes, please. See? <laughs> well, you have to play your own, pal. Oh, listen to it. Buy your own tickets, pal. Oh, by the way, Uh-oh. my friend, I was at 511 down in Mission Valley. Oh? They think you're a star. He is a star. think he's a star. I bought a couple of jackets, a couple of shirts. My wife bought a jacket, and she goes, aren't you off of... Uh, Michael Schwartz's radio show? Go, no, he's that. not. That's not his radio show. He's the most famous guy in the room right now. I know. And she says, you guys got my, you got Action Jackson there. I go, yes, I do. They think you're pretty pretty cool, by the way. So I just wanted to relay that information to you. So <laughs> next time you go in, say thank you for the compliment. I now need a 10%. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might as well get paid for all your uh, your wear. You and I wear just about everything, you know, five eleven, right? Pretty much. In fact, I'm wearing a long sleeve t shirt under this jacket. I know. What? Oh, I don't have my five eleven. Are y'all bundled? I got my five eleven pants on, but I don't have my five eleven shirt or jacket. But I did buy a real woolly jacket that's really nice. Are those? Ga- are you wearing gators? Yeah, you nice. don't mess. Around. This kid don't mess around. That's right. Like You're styling, it. huh? Yep. <laughs> But you have to admit, the 511 stuff is really nice. It is. You wear 511. In fact, all your shirts for the San Diego County. Yeah, the polos that were 511. Aren't you supposed to be getting some new ones? We just switched, actually. (laughs) All the old ones were 511. (laughs) Well, that's all I got. I never got a new one. Well, we just got the new ones out. By the way, if you want a polo, polo, go to the website, uh, and they're $35. They're they were like fifty five, so yeah, twenty well, bucks off. Yeah, that's yeah. I know. I I taught my wife never to look at price tags anymore. Boy, was that a mistake? Why would you teach any? What do you mean? You well, because her not she to would drive me crazy. You know, I mean, she'll squeeze a nickel, make the Indian ride the buffalo. <laughs> my, I mean, it's just insane. I said we can afford it, just buy it. No, I don't. I don't know how I can stop that. Well, be that as it may. So, well, you got, so you got shirts for sale. Yep, polos, go to the website, sdcgo.org. Um, go to the merchandise section, and you can purchase uh, polos. And for a portion $35. of the proceeds go to? Well, to, it all benefits the organization. Yeah, that's yeah. My, that was my whole point. So it's uh, uh, we have T-shirts, we have women's T-shirts, we have polos, we have women's polos, we have hats, both brown and black, and we also put the, the glasses up on the Oh, website. those glasses are so cool. Yeah, it's the only reason I go to the prom. Well, so Inland Empire's... Uh, they had uh, these uh, etched glasses that were really, really cool. Oh, better than yours? <clears throat> I don't know if they were better, but they were different. They were really nice. Oh. Um, big thanks to Mike Talley for doing that. Did you bring you me a great one? job. I did not bring you one. 
Now you're I feel not, bad. <laughs> you're not getting your bourbon now. That'll fix you. I'll take care of you. Now I feel bad. I should have even offered you. Know, that's where, you know how we're always saying that would make a great T-shirt hmm. of different sayings, different slogans? Right. You should start a whole line of them and sell them on the website. Well, we were going to do Gun Owners Radio T-shirts, and it, it was going to be Gun Owners Radio, and on the back it was going to say, actually, it's pronounced Garand. Oh, <laughs> That's a good one. See, know, that's right? a great. That's a good one. That's right? a great T-shirt because it's written. So how do you, you can't I, see how it's I, exactly? Oh <laughs> which is a which is an act or a not action Jackson but a Sam the Gunman quote, right? Oh, exa- Actually, oh, that's right. It's pronounced Garand. Yeah, that would, we could do a whole lot. Yeah, we could do a whole line of of Sam the Gunman T-shirts. <laughs> you know, for correct pronunciation and what have you. I got a funny. I got a funny little Sam the Gunman. We're gonna talk after he answers the question. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we're, I'm gonna tell you a little story about uh, where he gets that from. I had a funny little conversation with his grandfather today, so we're gonna talk a little. You bit You two gotta that. quit talking because you put that kid in a position <laughs> quite a bit. No, no, no. It's a funny story. Okay. It's just uh, I well, had a he appreciate it. Oh, oh, yeah. I had a conversation with my dad, his grandfather. Yeah. And I was I got off. The How's phone. dad doing? By the way, he's doing good. He's doing well. And but it was like. I was like, all right, this, this, that's where this kid gets this from. Oh, you know, I it's, see. It's okay, so we have the answer to the puzzle. Kind of. Okay, know, so I can, I can live with that. All right, uh, what do you say, little man? Yeah, what do you Should say, we hit, big man? Hit a commercial. I uh, we shall. I think we will because this is Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. folks welcome back to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer all right hey you know a lot i got mine you're on 515 oh how come i did that i don't know yeah. i'll just use this one over here i don't know jump for five five to five fifteen i don't know it's the time change but <laughs> that's good i like that the time change best you I'm not Alicia. You're like uh, you're like my cat, you know. I know you don't even have a cat. Well, you, that's used to because I got you. I don't need one. Hey, Christy Dillon or Christy uh, Turtle is the president of strategic marketing and public relations of the Heller Foundation. We're going to talk with her next about her journey in becoming such a passionate Second Amendment advocate. But first, if you have legal matters that involve firearms then you need to call California firearms lawyer John Dillon, especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150, or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. Hey, we got Christy Turtle online. Hey, Christy, how are you today? I'm great, gentlemen. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So, Christy, you are the president of strategic marketing and public relations for the Heller Foundation. Tell us, uh, of course, we interviewed uh, Dick Heller uh, a few months ago. It was a really interesting, well-received interview. A lot of people commented on it. But uh, tell us a little bit about what the Heller Foundation does. Sure. Um, Real quick, thank you guys so much for this incredible opportunity. I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, the Heller Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, the majority of our, our, our time is spent for educational purposes. Um, we 
are constantly fighting these commies left and right in every state. Um, as much as we can, we submit amicus briefs, um, mostly Dick Heller and the Heller Foundation, which is he is the executive director and founder, um, pair up and we do the crap and win. Um, so right now we're seven for seven over the past 12 months. Wow. Um, seven for so seven with yeah. lawsuits? What's uh, what, yeah. like? What, what's one of the lawsuits uh, that you guys were part of? Um, was the uh, DC Magazine ban? Um, we have another one that is going to be filed pretty much this coming week. Uh, Mr. Heller is currently on vacation, so um, he's, he's actually listening live in uh, West Virginia. So hey, Rich, what's up? Um, <laughs> well, what was, tell us about the magazine. What happened? The uh, DC had what? They had a ban on what? Normal capacity magazines. And essentially, I don't know if you're familiar with with we called it the DMV area. So essentially, you can travel three miles in a, in a circle, and there was a certain number in DC that you were allowed to carry versus hopping over the border a couple hundred feet in Virginia, and you can carry more. And then Maryland, we don't even want to talk about Maryland. Let's be honest. Wait, what do you mean so, carry? It was a, it was a magazine capacity restriction. Yes, sir. It was. An, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, so it was a magazine capacity. So okay. um, they limited the amount that you could have. To a certain number, and a certain number that you could carry was completely different. Um, it, it was literally right. um, one of what you could carry in Virginia. And you, so you guys so, won. Congratulations! So what? what that's yeah. awesome. So that affected DC residents and uh, gave them a little bit more of their freedom back. Congratulations! That's very very I'm awesome. Not that the DC Council had to go back. Um, they had to withdraw that amendment to the bylaw and rewrite it. So it wasn't in breach of the Constitution, and we also reached a financial settlement in that. So it was a double whammy, so we're excited about that. <laughs> so as the president of Strategic Marketing and Public Relations, what do you do for the Heller Foundation? Um, right now, I also do a lot of stuff with um, legislative policy. Um, I'm former um, Trump administration White House, so I got to meet a lot of very, very pro-Second Amendment uh, sitting members of Congress and the Senate um, during my time serving. And... It has been an incredible journey. Um, what I do is I get in meetings and <laughs> let's just, we're going to, to meet with President Biden on December 13th in the White House. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone in the gun community that has done that. Last December, Heller and I were physically removed from Nancy Pelosi's office. Physi- we, wait, 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 wait. Of- you guys were physically removed from Nancy Pelosi's office? Why, did you, yes, did, you, what, was it, did you go in there with a hammer? Is that... Oh, no, wait, that's her husband. Never mind. Disregard that. That's a bad joke. Don't laugh. Don't laugh at that, Kelly. Kelly in the studio is laughing at that. That's horrible. Okay, so what? tell me what happened in Nancy Pelosi's office. So oh, the way – here's my secret. So the way you book meetings with Nancy Pelosi is you become best friends with her director of communications and her scheduler. So it took me two and a half years to book this meeting. Hmm. I approach the human rights of self-defense through a woman's perspective, through mm-hmm. storytelling. So we'll get into it later if you guys are comfortable, but I opened my rape kit for the first time in front of Nancy Pelosi, and she didn't know what to do. What do you mean? You, oh, you opened your rape kit in front of, what does that mean? Yep. I don't know what that means. Um, I, I was drugged and raped, and about mm. two and a half years ago, um, that's when I became a gunner. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. Um, that's horrible. So you were you were attacked, oh. and and that's what got oh. you into firearms. Oh, oh, a lot more before that. Um, 
I had been beaten. Um, an ex-boyfriend had beaten me to an coma six times, and I had been found left for dead um, in a Baltimore dumpster. Um, Dick Heller saved my life. I was backstage working um, as a speaker escort at CPAC, which is kind of like the Super Bowl of conservative politics mm-hmm. in D.C., and I was putting makeup on a black eye. And he goes, I didn't know who he was. I had just graduated from law school a couple years prior. The, the Heller decision was 2008. So I was just entering 3L. I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. He pulled me aside and said, girl, what is going on? Um, it, it was the 10-year anniversary of the Heller decision at that point because it was 2018. He was on stage. And we exchanged numbers. And the first time he ever shot a gun was the million-dollar Heller gun at the NRA headquarters in Virginia. Hmm. Um, I had not, I, I had been an advocate. I, I've, I've learned all about, you know, the policy initiatives and I can argue constitutional law in regards to second amendment, you know, till I'm dead, you know, until I'm blue in the face. But I grew up, I spent half my life in Australia. I'm Australian American. I was not a gun owner until it was too late until I have 42 stalkers from working in politics. Um, we are in the process of hiring executive protection. Um, the gentleman is a retired Navy SEAL, went to his house to print documents on the way to the airport, and I don't remember a thing after. Um, I found out I had been raped when the hospital accidentally sent me a bill in the mail. And I was looking through the medical reports and the police reports, and the stuff that he put in my body, he was trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, there were horse tranquilizers. The, I had gotten so many you know, different shots to you know, make sure I was okay after. Um, I was in and out of consciousness. Apparently, I had walked 11 miles barefoot to the emergency room. Um, I'm pretty proud of myself. I, I had pulled kind of, um, uh, I, I, don't, I call it like a, maybe like a Mr. Miyagi kind of thing, like a Walker, Texas Ranger. And I had somehow the wherewithal to send my location from my iPhone sporadically while I was in and out of consciousness to my girlfriend who was on the way to meet me at the hospital. Um, and that's how they were kind of tracking on what was going on with me and where I was. But yeah, I, I, I have been drug and raped and it's, I, I'm in trauma therapy because of it. And I've, I've testified over 125 times in state legislatures, Congress, the Senate, you know, and by, by, by storytelling. And I have the most gruesome pictures from my SB me. Like there's brain matter in the picture. There's gruesome like scars that I have on my arm for the rest of my life because of him. And I show that, and I make it human. You know, I make it not all. More and more, I'm definitely seeing more and more and more. You know, it used to be that people would be into guns. You know, they'd own guns. They'd be into guns as a hobby um, because they grew up around guns. It was kind of, a, you know, their, their father, their grandfather taught them. Hunting was a, another big part. More and more and more, the culture is changing and people are, they own guns because of, you know, an incident or because of self-defense. And it, it's your incident, uh, I, I, I hate to even say that, I hate to even call it an incident, it sounds so belittling, is horrific. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, it doesn't even have to be, you know, a lot of people uh, that, we, that I talk to more and more, they purchase a firearm because, you know, they got nervous in a parking lot or something like that. It doesn't have to be as horrific and horrible as your story, but more and more, um, it's it's the same reason. They're purchasing firearms. They're becoming a part of the Second Amendment community uh, for self-defense reasons. And, it's, and it, it, that is a very personal thing, you know. 
trying to explain to politicians who don't want you to have a firearm that you do it, you know, because it's your right or because of the Constitution or because it's your hobby is nowhere near as effective. It just isn't. But letting them know, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, here's how a firearm could have saved my life, could have saved my dignity, could have saved my my health. You know, that's that's I think that that's. That's the that's exactly how how and why you got into Speaker Pelosi's office. I think that that's uh, you know I think it's important that that uh, that, that you tell your story, um, no matter how Thank horrific it is. And you know, there's days where I can tell it in full gruesome detail, and you know, the the best thing is is using the visuals where people get to know me. You know, you see a picture of someone in campaigns, and you say, "Oh, that's just politics." When people get to know me and it's a human being and then they put two and two together, oh, my God, that's Christy's face. That's brain matter on the side of her face. Guess what? The next time Joe Biden wants to pass any kind of gun control legislation, we're going to get a projection screen and project that thing on the White House. So what what happened? So what what happened? How did things when you talked to Pelosi and and you know what happened? How did you get actually physically removed? Like what 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 exactly happened? Uh, we got removed, so everything was going great. Um, Tyler's a fireball, so he was on his best behavior. I was very proud of him. <laughs> and um, I actually started opening some of the envelopes from the hospital. So. When you get a rape kit done, they actually take everything off of you, even your earrings, your 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 underwear, every, everything, even your shoes, and they test them for you know any type of male excrement you know to be used to trial later. Um, my dress that I was raped in was part of that rape kit. Um, the hospital report with the listing of drugs, with the gruesome. March, they had found six unused tampons inside of me. They had found an entire bottle um, of Vicodin with the label on it, with the gentleman's name on it, inside of me, and a remote control. So, so what? And that the, is, again, is absolutely horrific. What? So, did, the, did Pelosi listen to you, or did they finally just said, "You're out of here. You got to leave." She started to tear up, and then her scheduler came in and said, "We have a scheduling conflict." Wow. So she didn't. She didn't even want to listen. She, I think it touched her. I think for the first time she actually saw humanity and it it made her do a double look and she got (laughs) up in her chair and, you know, she was out, but she actually agreed to sit, you know, sit down with me and Mr. Heller and, and, and and talk. So, wow, (laughs) we're trying, you know, we're, we're doing everything that we can to, you know, this, this was all preventable. And by telling my story, this can happen to anybody. Men are victims to domestic violence. A lot of men are afraid to come forward. So the more that people like us come out and tell their stories and, you know, empower people, you know, I've been, I've been um, the Heller Foundation has been collaborating with uh, Tony Simon on diversity shoots here on the East Coast. Um, he has them about twice a month, and we're bringing people from all walks of life and making it fun and introducing you know, men, women, everything in between to, to the firearms. Hey, and they hey, come in shaking and scared, and it's great. Hey, Christy, can I get you to hold for our next segment? Can you hang with us? Sure, I'd love to. We're oh, just man, do a that's quick great. commercial. Yeah, quick commercial. Hey, folks, you are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer.
right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to God Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. A self-defense event happens in seconds. In the time it takes to listen to this commercial, your life could change forever. I pray you never are forced to shoot into self-defense, but if you must, then you must be ready. That's why USCCA exists, because every responsibly armed American should have the training and education to navigate a self-defense situation. And should you ever need it, the 24-7 critical response team is right there for you. To discover more about USCCA, visit uscca.com. Act now, because the life you save could be your own. USCCA.com backslash G-O-R. So uh, all right, go we're, ahead. We're talking to uh, Christy Chortle, who was just telling us a bit of her story and what she does for the Heller Foundation. Let's talk a little bit more about the Heller Foundation, Christy. What? Uh, so you, you guys are seven for seven this year. Um, what's it look like moving forward? We have a very, very big lawsuit that is about to drop. Um, Mr. Heller was going to drop it last week, but we're trying to, it, it's going to be very messy. Um, it has something to do with um, an AR. That's all I'm going to say and put it out there. You guys are the first to hear about it. Oh, breaking, um, breaking, breaking news. news. <laughs> so you guys are going to, you, you're saying you're filing a new lawsuit and it has to do with ARs. That's all I can say, but oh yeah, it, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> blow my mind. That's awesome. Well, good. So how, what do you, how does it, tell me a little bit about how, how the uh, foundation functions. Um, is there a way, do, do you guys take membership or what can we do to support the organization? Sure. If you go to www.hellerfoundation.org, right now we're accepting donations, solely donations, um, for the process of um, fundraising just for these lawsuits. Um, there will be a membership program rolling out uh, next quarter. Thank you so much for reminding me of that. Um, because normally these lawsuits, when they do get to, you know, the Supreme Court level, like the Heller decision did, um, that costs about $3 million just on legal fees. Yeah. So it is extremely offensive, you know, expensive. And, um, Mr. Heller is also, you say um, offensive, (laughs) (laughs) it's both offensive and expensive. It's offensive. It has to cost that much, but what, what kind of insight can you give us? So, cause I tell people that all the time, like, Hey, you know, lawsuits are expensive. You know, it's it's a quarter million bucks in a district court. It's a million, you know, whatever, two million to get to the Supreme Court. Can you give us a little insight? Where you know, a lot of that money is is simply the hours and hours and hours um, an attorney has to spend. Uh, you know, crafting the statement and making sure they get it right and all that other good stuff. But give us a little insight. Like, why 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 does it cost two million dollars? Ninety percent of it is legal research, and anyone who went to law school is probably shuddering right now because mm. <laughs> it is spending hours upon hours. You know those little endnotes and the footnotes that you see at the bottoms of all the legal filings. It is that. So yeah. you need to make sure you source every single, you know, bullet point, essentially every single reason why you're you're filing. And every, pretty much every single sentence has to be accurately sourced, either to find a precedent or, you know, to, to codify case law or, you know, um, you know, federal law or if you're filing in a state, you know, state law. So it is 90 percent that boring stuff that is not sexy, that does not make the news, that is you're staying up until 2 a.m. in the law library, you know, doing your research to make sure your arguments are accurate and up to date because the law changes pretty much daily so you want to make sure that you know your arguments are factually and legally correct and on point and up to date at all times 
And so you, you, I think you mentioned earlier in the conversation and, and what I read, you, you got out of law school just a few years ago. Uh, when did I graduate? So I have two law degrees. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, my first law degree, I graduated in um, 2009. I did a lot of corporate stuff, so like mergers and acquisitions. Um, I spent a lot of time in Singapore and Australia. Uh, Sydney, Australia. Um, I moved to the United States in 2015, um, actually to become a kidney donor to my mom. Um, and that's kind of how I got into politics because I was like, well, uh, this, this law stuff, you know, working 18, 20 hour days, seven days a week, yeah, it's kind of getting old. So, you know, politics was fun and sexy. So I figured, why not? You know, use, use my skill set that was transferable and uh, get into that. And, you know, you know, a few about a year later is when I met Mr. Holder and everything changed. And, you, good, and you, I was going to say, so getting out of law school or, or you know having your law degree, you probably never imagined that you were going to uh, spend so much time in the Second Amendment world. How how has that been? What's what's your being on? It doesn't sound like you were a gun person, you know. Uh, and now it's you're about as involved as a person can get. Talk a little bit about the before and after. You know, what's it like being on the outside and then coming on the inside and you know, meeting gun people and being involved in the in the issues, you know, what were some of your impressions? I wrote my senior thesis in undergrad about how guns are the most awful thing alive. <laughs> we didn't need guns. They, they, you know, video games were the reason that Columbine happened. It was the most, like, I need to find that old 20-page paper because it is just full of humor and satire at this point. Um, getting it, to, I, I had a really pretty easy transition um into the gun industry um simply you know from politics is because that you know politics and you know legislation and policy are kind of intertwined so i i did have a very very easy transition and everyone has been so kind and so resourceful like I, i'm in the process i just left the new york governor campaign and i'm in the process of packing a leave for georgia in the morning for the runoff and i already reached out to different members of the gun community to be like, hey, is there a range in this part of Georgia? Or would you recommend a safer area? And they're on it, and they're making calls. It's like a giant family. It is so awesome. I wish I had gotten into the gun industry 10 years ago. It is incredible. That's awesome. That's that's very, very cool. Now, do you are you able to um, are you able to carry now? Or, or do you, I don't know how, it, I think you live, do you live in D.C. or do you live in Virginia? Or maybe you don't want to. Where do you live? I'm sorry. <laughs> I live in Pennsylvania. Oh, all so right. So you can I, you can carry. All right, you carry. Yeah. Now, what was it like? Uh, you know, you had to go through the training and everything. What was it like the first month you were carrying every day? Terrifying. 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 Why was it terrifying? I my first week, I held one of those training dummy guns that we use in Krav Maga. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the same weight as, as a regular gun because. Um, my, my EDC is, is an FN 509C and, um, I love it, but there's no safety on it. And I love it now that there's no safety, but just the mentality I still had at that point where my training was, wasn't as proficient as it was. Like it, it was intimidating as a woman to go into the gun shop. I was literally fresh out of the hospital about 12 hours after I was raped. I walked into the gun shop and was like, help, I need to buy my first firearm. And they, they took me by the hand and helped me. I got my first lesson maybe a month later, and that's when I started carrying on my person. And it, it, the first week was a little scary because I was like, this is a tool. My firearm, I am responsible for what happens, you know, and, you know, there's the, the, the rules that the NRA teaches you when you're learning how to shoot. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, you're responsible for what is also behind what you're shooting. Um, 
And that was so new to me, and it was so overwhelming and making sure, you know, I was so new to learning situational awareness. And the first week was overwhelming. But now I'm confident, and I now go to the mall at night. I was never done that before. Um, I still get death threats at least twice a week, unfortunately. I get docs by Antifa um, pretty regularly. I made her top 12 list last year. What's up? Um, so I'm, I'm really, really big on all of the other aspects of, of, of caring that, you know, situational awareness, going back to everything being preventable. You know, gosh, a bit, I do have to use my firearm. I trust my training, but I need to maintain that training. So now I'm completely comfortable carrying it's just, you know, dry firing. I'm dry firing every day now. I love it. I think it's fun. So you went so, from fairly anti-gun <laughs> to extremely pro-gun. Have you, did you lose any friends on the, along the way? What's crazy is the people who, I, I have friends in all sides of the political spectrum, and um, I play ice hockey in college, and a lot of them are, are, are uh, Democrats. And because of my story, and because they knew me, they went and bought a gun. So you, you converted more people than, than lost people. Yeah. I can't, maybe two people that I lost over the years. Oh, yeah. It's really I interesting. Mean, I, you know, and I we definitely saw, I've talked about this before, during, uh, you know, the, the mostly peaceful protests for the, you know, with the, the riots that happened a few years ago, um, it, it, you know, all the political rhetoric goes out the window. You know, when, when, when during peaceful times, um, there's all this political rhetoric and all these, you know, false uh, statistics and, you know, these bumper sticker anti-gun phrases that people use. But when there when there's really is the perception that, hey, I might be in danger, all that rhetoric goes out the window and people want a gun. And it, it's, yeah. you know, all that like, well, you know, gee, might go off or eh, if you're more likely to blah, blah, blah. All these myths that we've heard, all that goes out the window. It's just, you know, people know, you know, deep down uh, that a firearm is absolutely the most effective self-defense tool ever created. It is absolutely the great equalizer, and uh, it's especially uh, important uh, for, for women. I mean, that's the reality, right? Yeah, and, and the more outspoken I am, you know, I have... Um, at one point, um, the first time I ever spoke out about it was actually um, at the 10-year anniversary of the 2008 Supreme Court decision with Heller in front of the Supreme Court. And I didn't know it at the time before my stalkers were there. And um, a year later, I got engaged to a, um, a White House Marine, and um, my ex filed a peace order against me uh, in Maryland, which are so very easy to get. I, I was actually pro-red flag law until it happened to me. And it took a lot of money to, to deal with it and get it reversed. But I have literally disproven by living through it, living through hell and back with a smile on my face, every single gun control argument. So that is why the Heller Foundation is effective, is we make it personable. We, we, we use the art of storytelling. You don't want to listen to me? Okay, here is a picture of Christy with brain matter. Christy, well, you know what? I'll Christy. tell you what, Christy. If, if, you ever, if you ever write your autobiography, you should call it From Hell to Heller. Right? The Christy yeah. Turtle. Right? I'm not even going to charge you for that. That's my free gift to you. Okay, how can people find the uh, Heller Foundation to uh, <laughs> pitch in a couple of bucks for the fa fantastic work you guys are doing? What's your website? 
Thank you, sir. Uh, www.hellerfoundation.org. Our socials are at the Heller Foundation, at Real Dick Heller, and at Percy Trudell. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, being so candid. I know uh, the things. some of the things you talked about here today were uh, very difficult, and uh, I'm sorry you went through what you went through, but thank you so much for sharing your story and spending time with us. Thank you. It's an honor to fight with you guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Hey, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Why? Because it's Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, did you know we have a world-class flight training school here in San Diego? Pilots can fly almost every day. We're close to the ocean as well as the desert and mountains. SDFTI is instructors can help you learn to navigate around the international border. That's why San Diego is one of the best places to learn how to fly in, in the world. Learn to fly in sunny San Diego right at Montgomery Fields. Getting started is super easy. Give them a call at 858-569-1822. Learn to fly at SDFTI. That's 858 858- Five six nine one eight two two. So as we talked about last night was Inland Empire's first gun prom, and uh, so it looks like we're going to start at least for the for the for next year. We're actually ended up having the three gun proms in Southern California: one in Orange County, one in Inland Empire, and of course uh, the original here in San Diego. But last night we had the pleasure of a keynote speaker who's one of my favorites. Um, A.W.R. Hawkins is a Second Amendment author. That's how I describe him. Um, you may have seen his work uh, all over the internet, but uh, specifically from Breitbart. He's here in the studio with us. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? How do you? Fantastic. How do you describe? I call. I tell people you're an you're a Second Amendment author. Well, how do you describe yourself? That sounds fine. I just <laughs> I write on guns. There you go. That's it. And that's exclusively every all the content you produce is, is exclusively guns, Second Amendment related. Right. That's guns, awesome. Second Amendment at Breitbart. That's awesome. And what? Uh, talk a little bit about how did how did you get there? How did you? What, what's your? Where where did you start? You know, uh, how did you get to, to to being a Second Amendment author? Uh, I started by teaching. Uh, I have a PhD in military history. I was teaching uh, in a couple of different uh, university systems, and um, I really got tired of that. And uh, right before um, right before I got heavy duty into my last teaching deal. I was doing a fellowship, and um, a radio host, very popular one, uh, saw something I'd written at, uh, I believe, at Human Events, and he emailed me to say, I like your coverage of Fast and Furious. I responded to him and said, hey, I need a place to hang my hat, because I was kind of jumping from place to place to write, and uh, he made a call to Breitbart for me, and that was 2010, so that's when I started writing for him. So I came on then to do national. I did a little bit of uh, Hollywood writing with John Nolte at that time, but mainly did national security under Peter Schweitzer and because uh, my Ph.D. crossed over from Vietnam War to War on Terror. So I did that for two years, and then started writing guns in 2012. I don't think we – we didn't get – I don't even know how to phrase it. We did not make – the hay uh, we could have made um, with Fast and Furious. We didn't get near deep enough into that situation that, right. that we should have. I mean, it 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 was 
it got a little bit of traction, but I mean, you know way more about it than I do. I mean, people should have, you know, served time over what happened there. Right. Yeah, because you're looking at what, 2,500 guns smuggled across the international border. Um, so stupid. No, We're supposed no, to no. smuggle them we over. We just gave those to them so we could track them. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the deal. That's, that's the story. The yeah. So it's just, just breaking laws left and right. And then blaming guns from America for violence in Mexico. They've had the gall to do that the last 10 years. Yeah. You know. Do but, you remember what, what, what was the, oh, what was the attorney Eric uh, Holder? Holder. Holder. Do you remember? Um, you know, it, it it kills me because you know, as a as a Second Amendment activist, people say, oh well, you know, you said they were going to try to take our guns under Obama, and they never tried to take our guns under Obama. I was like, yeah, because we fought back. But one of the first speeches he gave was about uh, renewing the assault weapons ban and basing it on the guns that were going into Mexico. I mean, he just about, I, I don't, do you do you remember that speech? I mean, it was just a couple months into the administration. I don't remember it, but I, I wouldn't argue with you about it. Cause especially if you remember it, but it, it sounds just like him. They do that. They're, uh, those, those folks are like, uh, they're like, uh, arsonists who also work for the fire department. So <laughs> yeah. they, they set the house on fire. Then they go get in their own truck, come save today. Well, and look at what they're saying right now. Now, 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 if the Republicans get the House, there's no need to do any investigations. Let's just move forward. Oh, yeah. And I go, well, wait a minute. When it was the other way around, we had a certain individual that they investigated, what, four years in a row? Right. Every way, shape, and form? Right. I know. If we don't investigate, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be with you. What? <laughs> I am whatever you are. If you're an independent, like, like I'm going to be with you. We're just with me? Like, we're yeah, going to hang done. out on the couch together? That's it. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm I, I like that. I'm done. Um, oh, with me, you're going to uh, – yeah, I, so I left the Republican Party. Yeah, so okay. I'm with you, A couple, you, year, couple years ago, I said, I'm, I'm out. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm totally – I'm absolutely independent because I'm so – I don't know. What are your thoughts on – Disillusion. It's so frustrating. Now, we didn't quite get the red wave everybody was hoping for, but it looks like they're going to take over the House. How frustrated are you as a fellow Second Amendment uh, activist – it just feels like not enough's going on. You know, when we get control, uh, everything just kind of – it feels like the best we can hope for if Republicans get control is that things will get worse slightly slower. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I don't think that's a reflection on the Republican Party. It's the Republican leadership. There Mitch, you go. Mitch McConnell's got to go. I mean, the old turtle's got to get out of there. It's hmm. just – it's over. And – uh all those people, they, they're placeholders. They like their position of power. And with them, I don't know that you can tell the difference between a Mitch McConnell and a Democrat. I really don't. I mean, Mm-mm. so that's to your point. I mean, I don't feel that way about a lot of the candidates that ran, but the candidates didn't get any money from Mitch because Mitch only supports people that are going to come in and kiss the ring. So they're on their own, and they can't get their stuff done. So we had opportunities for some big wins, but – you get those uh, swamp creatures like McConnell, and mm. he literally won't fund them. It's 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 embarrassing. How much do you hear from as as you know the 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 stuff that you write? How much do you hear from elected officials? Do they get a hold of you much or pins? Uh, you know, I've had them call a few times, and uh, yeah, it just depends. Just but wishing you happy birthday. If they well, if they if they say, especially if we're in a heated deal where we're getting. Um, Maybe we're getting close to getting the Hearing Protection Act. That was uh, 2017. Yeah. Of course, Paul Ryan, who is a Mitch McConnell wannabe, he undercut that. 
So uh, that's what I mean. It's the leadership. But, um, you know, in, in a heated thing like that where everyone's paying attention or like when constitutional carry was introduced, I kept count of how many days uh, Mitch McConnell ignored it and wouldn't bring it up in the Senate. <laughs> and I would write every day, this is day blankety blank. <laughs> and on things like that, you're apt to get a phone call. And they won't call me. They might call our editor-in-chief or somebody. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, it comes down that way that, hey, so-and-so's office is upset. Or I have you'll have a congressman who will push something that's real out of the norm for, for he or her. And you'll write it up. And then you'll get a call that you took them out of context, but you got the recording in your hands. So right. I'm like, mm, I don't think it was out of context, you know? <laughs> so you get that every now and then. Secretly, do you, does it kind of makes you smile when, the, when you get those phone calls? <laughs> when, well, it some, depends. Sometimes makes you nervous because they come so strong. And I think that's part of the game. They come in so strong, they think you'll just take it down. But, you know, had it happen when Bannon was there, and uh, that's Bannon's one that, he he kind of set forth. He was good. You, he, there's no back down in Bannon. If you call while Bannon's there, he's going to double down. We're doing a follow up. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's just it is what it is. It's not that frequent anymore, yeah. but more so when Breitbart was getting its legs, uh, and uh, you'd get those kind of calls. Do you feel like? Uh, I mean, it's tough when you're in the in the fight to you know keep a positive attitude because because all your the only thing you can concentrate on is what's going wrong because right. your whole job is to fix it. Do you feel like the country in general, do you think we're getting more Second Amendment or do you think uh, you know it's stalled or are we taking a step back? I mean, you, you, I wish you hadn't asked me that question because you would think I'm crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not a bit pessimistic. I feel like uh, we're in the best place we've been that I can remember. we got 25 constitutional carry states. we got 6-3 on the Supreme Court. They can't do squat about that. Right. They can't do anything. Now, when Biden first got in, they had momentum. They could have done anything. But there's, they were too arrogant, I guess. They thought they had all time on their side. Well, and now you got not only the right getting weapons, you got the left all right. going, and you got more – we had a situation, guy went down to buy a gun, and guy, he says, where's my gun? He says, well, you got to wait 10 days. Well, i got to wait 10 days. Right. You're the one that caused it. Right. He right. was, he was a, a, dem- yeah, he was a Democrat. <laughs> he voted for all the Democrats yeah. that caused this win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think I think you're right. I think both sides now are trying, because they're of, of the lawlessness right. that they're allowing this country to go through. That lawlessness did help. I don't mean it. In the, I don't mean like I'm glad it happened, but I no, mean no, it no. did. And we saw, it was amazing how many guns were sold. We covered, uh, well, I can't remember if we did 13 months in a row of 1 million plus or eight mo- 18 months in a row of 1 million plus guns sold. But, you know, then what, in last year alone between 5.4 and 7 million brand new gun owners and may have been even more than 7 million, may have been eight something. But, I mean, those are just first-time gun buyers. That's not counting uh, well, 20 million others. Have you counted the guns? Because you're not from California, I take it. Uh, no. Tell by the accent. Well, Arizona, Sacramento. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but look, California. I mean, we got a gun roster. We got two and a half guns on the roster, and look how many guns we sold yeah. in California. Yeah, uh, despite that, despite, despite the, the lack of you know <laughs> the two and a half guns on the roster, or maybe in spite of you know, and it I, it really is. It's something you, I've I hesitate to even say out loud, but uh, you know, the, the, well, you can I'm, whisper. You know, we'll say it on the other side of the uh, commercial. You, you can whisper. <laughs> well, right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. 
1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Self-defense event happens in seconds. In the time it takes to listen to this commercial, your life could change forever. I pray you never are forced to shoot in self-defense. But if you must, then you must be ready. That's why USCCA exists, because every responsibly armed American should have the training and education to navigate a self-defense situation. And should you ever need it, the 24-7 critical response team is right there for you. To discover more than USCCA, visit uscca.com backslash G-O-R. Act now because the life you save could be your own. That's uscca.com backslash G-O-R. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio. We're here in the studio with Second Amendment author from Breitbart, A.W.R. Hawkins. We're we're talking about all kinds of cool gun stuff, and then uh, we're we're actually going to stick with A.W.R. through the whole hour, and then at the uh, end of the hour here, we're going to do our stump, stump my, my nephew, nephew with uh, Sam the Gunman. So when are you going to ask him about A.W.R.? Who? What do you mean? When are you going to ask him? What's it stand for? What? What? <laughs> what's A.W.R. stand for? A.W.R. See, there A-W-R. you go. Uh, has to shoot you if he tells you. <laughs> so we were talking right before we went. We, we switched over. We were talking about how, you know, in the last couple of years, the Bruin decision did a whole lot for the Second Amendment. But the one thing that I've hesitated to say out loud is, you know, the COVID shutdowns and the mostly peaceful protests that followed, you know, um, the, the BLM mostly peaceful protests did an enormous amount for, for gun owners, right, brought in new gun owners, exposed people to uh, you know what we've been talking about as gun owners for years, and did a lot for the gun owner community. I I, I watched it happen. Right. No, you're hundred percent right. Did a lot, especially for black gun ownership for black Americans, because it was in there's a lot of in their areas where the fires were and the uh, the violence. I mean, it spread to everywhere. Don't get me wrong, but. You saw an expansion in gun ownership among black Americans, among women, uh, and among other minorities. So, yeah, you're right. That was all a reaction and uh, looking for a way to defend life. I mean, and like you said earlier, yeah, I don't support it. It was horrible. It was awful. I didn't like the lockdowns. I certainly didn't like the riots. It was it was horrible. But it was a a, uh, a harsh reality that hey, look, right. I got to defend myself. Things might if things go south, I don't have a plan. And even if I have a plan, I don't have the instrument needed to implement the plan. Right, right. No, you're right. So and you it, saw man buns and yoga instructors going out and <laughs> buying getting, guns. Getting their firearm, but you're right. And then after that happens, then you have brewing, and that's taking it a whole different direction. But that's going to get rid of all so many restrictions. It's unbelievable. So I, it's it's one of the thing. I think that um, you know one of the one of the things that we concentrate on. We, meaning you know, gun owners radio and San Diego County gun owners, Orange County gun owners, Inland Empire gun owners, is we decided to not make media the adversary. Uh, we do a lot of a lot of outreach to media, and we 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 accommodate them, and we don't ignore them, and we try not to villainize them. But man, it's really difficult when you you know read stories, uh, watch reports. And it's so slanted. It's so um, uh, you know. There's obviously a uh, an agenda. Um, 
you know, you being a writer, what's that like? What's it like seeing that? And, you know, and, and how do, what do you do to offset it? Yeah. You just try to correct it, turn it back on. Like uh, last weekend, uh, they covered the uh, mass shooting quote unquote in Chicago. There was two or three people that jumped out of a car and opened fire. No, it was in Philadelphia. It was two or three people that jumped out of a car and opened fire on other people. It was all gang related. It wasn't a mass shooting. Right. It was a gang-related shooting. But if you'll notice what's removed from CNN and other outlets, there's no longer double homicide, triple homicide, drive-by shooting. Everything's a mass shooting. Right. And so you just have to counter that. And you also, when when we do have a shooting that qualifies as a mass shooting, you just turn it back on them because they, they never report that nine times out of ten it's happened in a gun-free zone. They don't report that the gun was acquired legally because they don't want to show the failure of gun control. But 990 times out of 100, 999 times out of 100, uh, the gun is required via a background check, complies with waiting periods, all kinds of things. So all these gun controls don't work. So they don't want to cover that because they don't want to highlight that. So that's what we get in and do and just turn the narrative on them and just spoil it. And then they move on to the next story. It's interesting. It's I, there's definitely one of the, the one of the statistics I try very hard to get out as often as I can, no matter what interview I'm doing. Um, you know, when I when I prepare for it and, and you know, put my my must airs, you know, down yeah. um, is the idea, you know, what, what is it between like two and three million times a year? somebody uses a firearm in the United States to defend themselves right? in some manner. You know, they may, may, may not necessarily be pulling the trigger, um, but man, you know, that statistic alone buries every, you know, uh, myth, you know, everything they try to throw against us. Right. Yeah, I can't remember the, the number, but you're right. It completely eclipses criminal uses of guns completely. I know the low figure was 776,000 from Gary Clegg. He said that's the low end. Right. So it's way above that, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah, defensive gun uses far outweigh criminal gun uses. And if you look at uh, you look at how the left reports things, though, along with what you're talking about, you know, they'll say sixty six thousand gun violence deaths last year. Just like recently, they finally have we called them on the carpet enough that they finally have to admit, well, two thirds of those are suicides. Right. So, you know, I mean, they've been lying the whole time. They keep lying. That's what they do. But, but they try to cover their butt a little bit. I was actually in a debate years ago on local NBC, and they had a, a, a representative from Brady, um, and they put us both in the same green room, which was kind of weird. Right. <laughs> but did, uh, did the other guy get out? Yeah, I yeah. weird for him. <laughs> I was I was I was all, I was his best friend. I was all over him. I'm like, hey, you know, I, w- I wanted to know. I want to know, like, what what makes this guy, you know, click? And he, we got to a point in the conversation where he, uh, we talked about suicide, and and um, I, I don't remember the exact phrasing on either on up from both of us, but he basically he was saying that you know guns cause suicide mm-hmm. which was such a bizarre statement and i really i remember asking the, the question three or four different ways and yeah sure enough he believes that the people who use a firearm uh, to commit suicide would not have committed suicide had it not been for the firearm right that it actually caused their suicide not that you know not that well if i don't have a firearm i'm going to go commit suicide some other, some other way that oh no they were perfectly normal people uh perfectly mentally fine they weren't depressed you know they weren't considering suicide but for that gun right 
So there was no suicide before guns were invented. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, you know, uh, I believe his name's Steve Chapman. He works for Chicago Tribune. But I think 2019 murder numbers were a little high or 2018. I can't remember. But whatever it was, he got in there and looked at the uh, suicides with guns. And I could not believe it. He said more gun control is not the answer. He goes, you don't know why? Look at Japan's gun control. Right. They have much higher suicide rate than we do. Or suicide numbers. And... uh, so, you know, he said it doesn't have anything to do with the gun. You can talk about the gun all you want, but ultimately that's not why people are killing themselves. And he's exactly right. So what do we, as gun owners, how much should we concentrate on? I mean, you know you know what I mean? As uh, Obviously, we should have compassion for our fellow human being, and, you know, it, it, you know, we should always try to better society, but I'm not talking really, you know, from, a, from, from that standpoint. Strategically, how much should gun owners uh, address uh, suicide. How much should we talk about it and uh, try to solve it, or you know what I mean? Like what what percentage of our of our uh, uh, effort should be, or is that just a it's 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 not something we're going to be able to solve as, right. as gun owners? Yeah, I mean it's uh, this is just me personally. I can't speak for him, but I don't think it's on my radar. I think what's on my radar more importantly is some of the things like we were talking about that San Diego County gun owners does teaching people how to use a gun. Yeah. Teach gun safety. Teach, you know, because you got all these brand new gun purchasers, and some of them want to carry that gun. Lots of them just want to keep it in their home for self defense. Well, where's that bullet go when you pull the trigger? Let's practice. Let's figure that out. How do you lock it? How do you load it? How do you blank, blank, blank? Those are the things that I focus on, and uh, those are the things that people need to know so that they can use that self defense tool best. You know, one of my favorite questions, my favorite question when I'm talking to candidates, uh, when I'm vetting them out, and I usually plant this question somewhere in the middle of the conversation, you know, not, I don't lead with it, you know, but I kind of spring it on them somewhere in the middle is, uh, is I ask them, is the world a better place if we have more CCW holders? And, and I'll tell you, man, you can tell almost immediately by their reaction how sincere they are about Second Amendment issues. Right. You know, any hesitation, you know what I mean? Right. And it's like, okay, this guy's telling me what I he thinks I want to hear. Right. He doesn't actually mean it. Um, but I truly do believe, because of the numbers we talked about, the defensive gun use, 700,000 to 3 million uh, people that defend themselves, uh, you know, against a violent attack, I, I think we're a better society if we're able to defend ourselves. Oh, right. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I mean... I actually believe that single moms, I've often said, like one of the solutions for this unbelievable crime in Chicago is to not not just sell more handguns, but be sure that single moms can get some kind of discount. Mm-hmm. So they can get that gun and they can have a discount on their concealed carry permit. I mean, if I owned a gun store in Chicago, I, that would be my special. You roll in here and get pick you up this, uh, let's just say a Ruger uh, LCR. You pick it up. And instead of a sale price, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover your your expenses for a concealed carry permit. But something like that to get not only where they have a gun in their hand, but where they can keep it on their person because she's buying that gun to keep her kids safe. That's why she's buying it. And uh, more people like that that have guns, the better off we are. I agree. Amen. We're going to do a commercial. You think? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Why? Because this is Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1 AM 1170 The, the Answer
All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, a lot of companies are so frustrated with their website. It looks old, it's out of date, and it's not getting customers. We've got a fix. Sage Tree gets it. Since 2005, Sage Tree has been helping companies with websites that look great, work great, and they get leads. Stop being frustrated by your website and get one that you're going to be proud to share. Contact Sage Tree today to get a website that makes the phones ring. Getting started is real easy. 866-728-9100. That's 866-728-9100. And fix your website today. We're talking to Breitbart's man on the Second Amendment desk, A.W.R. Hawkins. Uh, what do you think the most important thing going forward is uh, as far as uh, you know our cause? What, what do you think needs to happen in the next 12 months and three years and 10 years? Uh, well, at state level, more constitutional carry. I think Nebraska's, they're primed for it. Um, you think they'll be number 26? Yeah. I, uh, Governor uh, Ricketts, yeah. Yeah, I spent time with him at SHOT Show, and uh, what a great guy. So oh, he, wow. He'd love to get that. Uh, How did that happen? How did you meet the governor at SHOT Show? Uh, well, they had a little uh, forum. So it was with him and the Alaska governor and uh, South Dakota governor and Wyoming, Gordon. Gordon from Wyoming is awesome. But, yeah, just we need uh, we need to keep at the state level. Newsom? Was Newsom there? Oh, yeah, Newsom was right there. <laughs> He was just—he was a keynote yeah, speaker. No, no, they had Newsom there. Yeah, he was showing how to clean guns and all kinds of stuff. It was interesting. Uh, yeah, no, but I think we need that. I and I, people don't talk about it anymore. But we need more campus carry. We need more K through twelve where teachers can be armed for classroom defense. I can't get over the idea that someone comes in a classroom, they've made it past the resource officer. The social studies teacher could take the guy out, but instead she's at his mercy. She's got to throw books at him. Mm. And it's just ridiculous. And, and they try to defend that. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I, I go, how in the – you know, one, you're advertising your soft targets. Right. Okay. And two, you're fighting tooth and nail to keep them soft. Right. Makes that is, no sense. Yeah, that is the other problem. You are Well, the thing is, if you look at schools that have K-12 through teachers who can carry, tell me the last one. Mm-hmm in one of those schools that either the teacher made a mistake, because that's what they say. Oh, if the teacher has a gun, someone's going to get hurt. I mean, if the teacher carries in church, at Walmart, at the restaurant, at the gas station, all those places already, is she suddenly going to become unsafe in a classroom? I don't even know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I was just talking to a candidate for school board uh, just a couple months ago, right before the election, and they were telling me that uh, one of the students, their their, uh, dad is a chp california highway patrol and in uniform he would come to pick up his kid and they were like oh, no gun yeah and <laughs> it was like a big deal what? that the chp officer uh in uniform had his had his sidearm mm. on that's that's the mentality 20 of, bucks says he didn't take it yeah. off well yeah he it was yeah there was there was a whole story and i'm not gonna get into it but yeah. it was like wow. i tell him to call the cops <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, really. Well, you know, have me arrested. Well, an, that's right. Do that. On another point with that, though, I really believe too that, and you might might be able to think of a better way to flesh this out. But I believe when you look at the fight against being able to carry a gun on a K through twelve campus as a teacher, that is one of the most 
anti-female or anti-woman fights I can think of because I think most people think of they'll say oh she's already burdened with teaching she doesn't need the burden of having a gun I go what that woman could be trusted with freedom and I think that's how we got to respond to Mm -hmm. them and get out from under this is that woman's life not defend worth defending you know, do you think she's too busy to defend her own life? And I think we've got to start framing it that way and put it back on them. But have you noticed the trend of not defending women nowadays? Well. I mean, really, when you get yeah. right down to it. So, I mean, it fits their narrative, but you're right. But I like the fact that more and more states are moving in the right direction right. to where pretty soon you're going to have like 48 states that are four and you know, right. Two again. Everything is moving the right way. That's why when I answered that question a while ago, I feel good about where we are. But I just think, you know, I'm hoping now Brian Kemp is reelected in Georgia. They already have a, a, a campus carry at the college level. I'm hoping that they'll take up K through 12 carry in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think one of the biggest uh, steps forward, one of our maybe maybe one of our our best accomplishments, uh, our being the you know Second Amendment community in the last 30 years is we moved from, you know, if you look at like an NRA commercial in the 80s, you know, it was all about, you know, tradition and, you know, that sort of thing and hunting and tradition, which is important. No question. But it's transition. We were talking, I was talking a little bit about with our call-in guest. Um, we've transi- transitioned to talking about the Second Amendment like the civil right that it is. Right. And not like, hey, it's it's kind of cool and fun and neat, and my dad did it, you know? Right. Because people, especially the folks that we need to convince, just can't relate to that. Right. And, and that's, yeah. So talking about the civil right and being, look, look, this makes things better. Mm. You know, that, that someone, it is always better when being attacked, it is always better to be able to defend yourself than not. Right. And I think what you're saying is important. People... This is the success of the left take leftist takeover of public education. But people don't understand in the Bill of Rights, those those rights protected are all of a cloth. So if you wound one, you wound them all. Yeah. You know, whether we talk about First Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment. But, you know, everybody wants to be able to say that they are secure in their their persons, houses, papers and effects. Fourth Amendment, you know, they want to be able to say, like the Third Amendment says, that the government can't just come in and tell you what to do with your own property unless we're in a time of war or special laws passed. That's what the amendment says. First Amendment says I can speak my mind. I can gather to get a redress from government uh, for grievances done against my person and. All of those rights, everybody goes, yeah, those. <laughs> Second Amendment then says, guess what? You got right to self-defense and the right to keep and bear arms. Can't be infringed. That right is no less important than any of those other ones we rattled off. And that's what we have to do is remind people you can't pick and choose. You got They're all together because they are all the rights of we the people. And uh, if, you, if you wound one, which is what Clarence Thomas has done so good with on the Supreme Court, he said up till recently they've been treating the Second Amendment like a second-class second class right. right. Yep. No more. And that's where Clarence Thomas, God bless that man, he's he's going to rock their world. And it's, again, it's relatable. It's, you know, people can get, you know, oh, yeah, I see what he's talking about here. You know, I've never hunted before. My dad's never hunted before. I don't care about that. I do care about my safety. Right. You know, I, I, I get that, you know. And I think that that's an enormous accomplishment. What would you say, the, the gun community, what was our biggest mistake in the last 30 years? Or what's a mistake we keep making now even? What, what, or what could we be doing better? Well, uh, Mitch McConnell dropped the ball in national reciprocity. Yeah. And Paul Ryan dropped the ball in the Hearing Protection Act. Hearing Protection Act was a gimme. 
I mean, you... <laughs> Which would have made suppressors... Take suppressors out from under the NFA, National right. Firearm Act. I mean, why is a suppressor under NFA anyway? It doesn't shoot a bullet. It doesn't have a trigger. It doesn't have an action. You can't load a shell in it and shoot it. It's not a firearm. Yeah. And uh, But what it does do is it saves you from going deaf. So I don't think that's a bad deal. So why do I have to go through a special process and pay the federal government? I don't think people understand that. If you don't have a suppressor, if you want one, you have to go through what is now, I believe I'm on the 12th month of one background check I'm on for a suppressor right now. It's 12 to 14 months. And you have to pay the federal government $200 for every one you buy. So the federal government's making money. They got this whole deal. They've got a monopoly. I love how the left is always anti-monopoly until they have a monopoly. But they got a monopoly running here like crazy. And it's just ridiculous. But Paul Ryan blew that. But that doesn't surprise me. He's a joke. Do they also, I mean, do they regulate mufflers too on yeah, cars? Yeah, really. You know? And that's all it is. That's the way you put it. Don't you know, people get go, me started. People say, oh, no, you have to do it because it's a silencer. No, it's not. It's a suppressor. It muffles the high pitch so it doesn't hurt your ears. That's all it does. It really is. There's, you know, people, uh, you know, critics will, will uh, I'll hear them talk about pro-gun folks and say, well, they're, they're so extreme. It's simply not true. We're pushing back against extremism. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not the ones that are trying to completely get rid of everything. We're the ones that are trying that are going, hey, wait, 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 wait. You know, there's some differences here. There's some important differences here. We've given up so much. Right. We've compromised so much since, I don't know, what, 1934, right? right. Maybe like, the, you know, and and uh, the idea that, that we're the extremists, we're, we're the ones fighting against extremism. I, people ask me, Especially at the beginning of San Diego County gun owners, you know, well, you know, tell me about your agenda. Well, no, no, no. Our agenda is to stand in the way of other people's agenda. Right. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. Right. Well, you're exactly right. Well, and sometimes I think if you word it in other, apply it to other rights, they see it like, what if the state passed a law that you can only go to church twice a month? Mm. They go, what? the state's not going to tell me what I can do at church twice a month. Well, they tell you you can only buy this many guns a month. You know what I'm saying? Or what if, what if I had to buy a permit? What if I have to buy a permit to go to Wednesday night service at church? Well, the state's not going to do that to me. Well, you know, I have to buy a permit to get a gun in so many States around this country. Mm -hmm. And just, I think when we start doing that, they start going, wait, this is a bunch of BS, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bunch of BS. We're going to tear it down. Yeah. But it takes more and more people like you to, to put that that message out that's what it's going to take well that's what we're all doing man yeah, I know. that's what we're all doing well he's the instigator out here <clears throat> oh come on right. hey let's take a quick break when we come back a whole lot more of gun owners radio on fm 961 am 1170 the answer Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Is there a more effective tool that empowers a 100-pound woman to defend against a 200-pound attacker? That's why it's so important for women to learn how to defend themselves with the most effective self-defense tool ever invented. For women, led by women, the Not Me program is designed to help with training, purchasing a gun, and getting a concealed carry permit. And guess what? It's free. To sign up, go to notmesd.org. 
The program is also available in Orange County and the Inland Empire. Get help today at notmesd.org. So, Action Jackson, I hear you have a question for AWR. As a matter of fact, yes. All right, fire away. Uh, what's your favorite gun? Oh. Well, that's a tricky question. They all say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's because he doesn't live in California. Yeah, it depends. I carry a, I like a staccato. I carry a staccato uh, C2, and I carry a SIG uh, macro, X macro, which is the new 365. Hmm. But I... I like any SIG. You give me a SIG, I'm happy. I love staccato, like I said. So it depends. And then if we're talking rifles, I love a Henry because I love a lever. I'm a lever action man in a semi-automatic world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love a Bighorn Armory rifle. That's also lever action. So Jackson, we, you got a SIG too, right? Uh, yeah. You like it? Mm-hmm. How many rounds is your so? Oh well, in this state, never mind. Yeah. Go ahead, make us mind. feel bad. Let's go go ahead. I didn't aim to ask that. <laughs> we get to carry one bullet. Yeah. yeah, just one. Just one. And you got to name it. And you got to share it. Well, and you got to keep it in your pocket, right? And you pull it out. And yeah, turn exactly. It real quick. Yeah. yeah, hold on. Don't, don't hold out over there. I'll be right with you. Yeah, that <laughs> that sig you have is a very impressive gun, though. It's an awesome gun. I like that. You like shooting it, little guy? Uh, yes. You good with it? Mm-hmm. Nice. Hit the target. That's the main thing, huh? Yep. You've been doing some running around shooting lately, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, do you like that, or do you like standing still? Yeah, and I'd like it even more if it wasn't 120 degrees out there. Uh, <laughs> well, it's nice and cold today. Yeah. So I think your next competition, you're Let's you know, go. Well, you ought to go to Alaska and then do a little competition. Then your teeth will chatter, and you won't be able to hit the target. Well, that solved the heat issue. Now I'll just have to deal with the cold. There. Well, you've got all your five uh, eleven tactical clothing, so you should be toasty. It should be. Yep, we'll have to work on that. So you and I were talking about you, you your lever action. You just got a lever action five, Smith and Wesson five hundred, right? Yeah, uh, from Bighorn Armory, the model eighty nine. It's in five hundred Smith and Wesson Magnum. Ugh. And uh, boy, <laughs> don't, don't it, tell my cousin. It's beautiful. Yeah, he just what you, what, you just carry. He cousin? just bought a uh, Smith and Wesson 500 Magnum with the eight and three eighths inch barrel. Oh yeah, yeah. I had a buddy text me about that right before we went on, yeah. and he said, "Man, let's make a video with this, the handgun." Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, "Just incredible." Well, get this. So my cousin buys it, and I says, "Okay, well, let's go to the range." He says, "No, I'm just going to get it engraved and put it on my on my you know on my desk." No, you're not. <laughs> you're going to the range. And he went to the range. His eyes are about as big around the wheels on your car. Yeah, you've got to shoot it. Yeah, what the heck? Why buy it if you can't shoot it? How did you know? You do a lot of product reviews. Uh-huh. How did you get into that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> next thing you um, know, they're sending them to next you. Next thing I know, we're just reviewing them, and it, it's it's good because the Breitbart readers, uh, they're they're rabid. You know, they, they want to buy it. They want to shoot it. They want a bunch of concealed carriers, a bunch of hunters, and uh, – so it's good to be able to get those guns in front of them, let them see the different see, options. Now, that's what I want to do here. I've been beating these guys up. Usually, uh, Alicia, we almost got her doing it, but I want at least, at least once a month, shoot a different gun right? because our roster is not real long, so we, we can have to do it that yeah, way. Yeah, I, I was thinking when I asked him about his 
uh, pistol, but yeah, we we're in two different worlds. Right totally, now. it's it's when, amazing. When I first moved to Arizona, I'll never forget. I pulled up, and uh, you know the the sheath that you keep your lever action on when you ride a horse, the yeah. leather. Yeah. Well, I pull up, and the guy next to me on his Harley, and he's just and I look over, and he's got his AR in the sheath right behind him, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, this state is gonna work. I'm home. Just fine I'm staying right here. Yeah. Well, what uh, I would imagine. Uh, Breitbart, uh, you know, having a distribution on on Breitbart, you probably have a lot of folks who are philosophically with you, but maybe aren't in, you know, haven't bought a lot of guns, aren't don't do a lot of training yet. So you probably, I would imagine, your stories get you, you get exposure to people that need to get deeper in, right? Well, I think that's true. I mean, it's like anywhere else too. You're going to get a couple of, you know, those. I get a couple of special people that email me quite a bit and tell me how wrong and blood is on my hands and this and that you get that but by and large i'd say 99 percent of the breitbart readers uh are so pro-gun and pro-freedom they're right there we're all tracking together. yeah no what i was saying is you, you probably have a lot of gun owners that read and follow you but i would imagine there's a lot of people that are philosophically with you you know like hey yeah we're all for the second amendment just haven't bought a gun yet haven't oh. gotten into it yet so I would imagine that your product reviews are probably really effective. Yeah, in that way. No, I did misunderstand you. Yes, it's true. You get good exchanges with them. And you'll get emails from someone that will say, you did this gun, but I was thinking about this. Will you get a chance to look at that? And so they're almost leading you. you know oh, nice. well, well, you've given them an outlet that they normally couldn't find. Right. And that's somebody explaining to them. It's no different than a car review. You know, I do car reviews every Sunday, and people appreciate it. Now, granted, you may not like the same car I like, no more would I like the same gun that you might like, but at least you're giving them things to think about. Yep, or I hope I am, but yes. I think you are. I think that's an important thing for gun owners to do. If you're in uh, the the fight, um, I think it's important to get out of the bubble Mm -hmm. and listen. You know, get out of the bubble and listen. Don't preach yet, you know. Um, because it's, it's too easy to, uh, to get, uh, I don't know, we could, we could very easily get kind of homogenized, I guess, you know, to where we all think, you know, that, that everyone thinks like us and it's like, "Ah, you know what, we got to really, we got to, we got to remember there's a whole society out there and that frankly, we're still in the minority. Wouldn't you you call that the old gun store mentality? In a lot of ways. You know, that's why every now and then I carry a 40. (laughs) <laughs> just to just to get their attention. Oh man, forty still a great round, dude. Yeah. What do you, what's your forty? What do you care? Uh, the Sig. Uh, it's either twenty two oh two or twenty twenty two. I can't remember the number. That was their first polymer gun. Yeah. It's unbreakable. Really. Deadly accurate. Now it's quite big and bulky compared to newer Sigs, but the thing is so accurate, man. What do you think is Sig? Now Sig has a whole line of nineteen elevens, right? Right. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the big, they, I, it, one of the first or the first to make 1911s with a with a with an external uh, extractor, which which in theory was you know you had all the design um, positives of a 1911, but then the reliability that made Glock, you know, so so known to be to right. being reliable. Did I get that right? Does that explain all that pretty well? I don't. I don't know if I can get into that technical aspect of it. I can tell you that I've got some Sig 1911s, and they'll eat anything, keep shooting, and they're deadly accurate. Nice. I mean, I what I do 
I've got a I've got a tray that I keep uh, Coca Cola and sand in. Like I'll put the bullets in there in that sand. I'll pour Coke on them and set on my dash and let them dry. Hmm. And then when I'm loading a mag, if I get a gun to review, every three or four rounds, like I take that and just dump it in a can. So I'm reaching in, I'm loading that mag. Some of those bullets are covered in Coke and sand. Some of them are covered in other stuff. And you, you just, I just shoot them and see, can I stop this gun? <laughs> I've never stopped a SIG. <laughs> I can't. There, there are people out there listening, cringing right now. Yeah, I know. So, some people that when I, especially when I, when I go to like these big classes, like like multi day classes, you get like fifty people in a class, and you watch people they treat their guns like they're made of like sugar. Right. You know? Well, I'll tell you, I, I don't know if I should say the name of this company. Well, I have to because it's praising them. But uh, I took the Glock forty three when it came out. I think it came out in April twenty fifteen. I took it out immediately and froze it and then drug it down the road behind my Jeep and then buried it in a, on a caliche road where it's heavy traffic of campers and everything else. <laughs> and then I pulled it up, and it was so cold that day. I remember how cold it was holding it. And I moved the slide just enough that I knew I had a bullet in it and yeah. pulled the trigger. Boom, fired. <laughs> and so then I worked the slide a little bit and kept shooting it. And that gun, to my knowledge, has never malfunctioned since that time. And uh, the Glock wasn't super happy when I kept publicizing I wasn't cleaning it. They're like, no, no, no. You, you tell people they got to clean. clean your gun. But I just told them I'm trying to make a point. Yeah. These things are you bulletproof. Know, bulletproof. A Glock. You have a lot of people that say I don't like a Glock because they it looks just like the old Glock. Doesn't change much. But the thing about it, if your life's on the line, you pull a trigger on the Glock, it's going to go bang, and that's what you need. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I remember way back. I wonder if he still has his website up. Way back, there was this dude who, like, every month would take his Glock out and punish it. You know, he dropped it from a from, – at first, he, was like, he like, froze it, you know, and then he – It must have been this guy. And then he put it in a, a bucket full of salt water, and then he was doing all this stuff to it. Eventually, um, he started running out of stuff to do, so he dropped it out of a plane, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm getting a uh... – I'm not going to say the company right now, but I'm getting a handgun safe from them. And we texted today about it. And we've, I'd talked with them a month ago, but as soon as I get it, I'm going to put a handgun in it and drive my truck over it. I mean, as soon as I get it. And uh, if if it survives that, I'm going to get my buddies Dooley and going right back over it. And we're going to figure out if it works or not. Could you imagine being AWR's neighbor? Can you imagine being the guy <laughs> supplying weapons to him? Like he's, you know, just being the neighbor looking out the window. Oh, he's at it again. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> he's running over a box, Martha. I'll make sure the just for let's just say I'll make sure the guns are unloaded inside there the safe. <laughs> All right, so I got a challenge for you. If you, I mean, Dooley, that's not that's an air tire. Take it over to one of the military bases and let him run over with a tank. Oh, well, my buddy's got a Humvee. I'll let him run over with that oh, Humvee. There you go. We'll figure out what's what. So what do you think the most important thing, if people are listening right now, they want to be effective, they want to get involved, they care about the Second Amendment, what's the most important thing they can, they should be doing? Uh, buying guns and uh, ammo, that's a smart thing. And then they should be joining groups like we talked about at the event last night. Yeah, those are uh, great speeches. San Diego County gun owners, uh, you know, like I was saying, if you're the Oregon Gun Federation, if you're in Oregon, holy cow, you people need it. Uh, you know, Texas Rifle Association, Illinois Rifle Association, every state's got them. Find one of these regional companies and join it. Uh, get on, join the Second Amendment Foundation. 
they're suing the pants off the left. Uh, get involved. Yeah, and and get involved. But to the degree that you can't get involved, those groups will get involved for you, mm-hmm. and you've at least got your name on that list. Like we said last night, too, I want a politician before he or she signs gun control to go, okay, this group has this many members. I know that's that many votes against me for doing something this stupid. Right. And so there are a lot of benefits of being part of a group like that. Amen. And uh, what's the you're on a radio show every Sunday after at like six thirty, right? Right. What's that? What's that radio show? That Armed American Radio. I'll be on there in a, what time is it? Yeah, I'll be on About there. Forty five minutes. Right? Forty five minutes. So what? Where, how do people find that? Can they, is that they can do a Google search for Armed American Radio, and then you can listen to it live right there. It'll find a local channel that you can listen to. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure it's podcasted too, isn't it? Yeah, he podcasted about a day later. Oh, so after you get done with with Gun Owners Radio, you can roll right into to that show. And every said every Sunday uh, for seven years, you've been on there giving an update, right? Right. Yeah they they refer to me as their political analyst, but we don't talk politics. <laughs> we talk <laughs> backstraps. We talk guns, nine millimeter, and, and uh, they we talk a lot of self defense stories on there. They call them happy ending stories, <laughs> and I've got two of those that ran today. You know, I got a guy that uh, heard a kid screaming in Georgia, and he went around the back of the Walmart, and the, some guy was trying to kidnap the kid. So, guy whipped a gun out on him and held him at gunpoint till the police came. So that's good. Wow. He didn't shoot him, but he used the gun defensively. Wow. And then uh, uh, some idiot broke into a home. I believe it was Friday used a rock to break in mm, anyway, right. he's dead but mm. it's just you can't be that dumb you know i mean find another line of work don't break into homes with rocks you know yeah. just doesn't work but we we like to talk about that because the law-abiding citizen is alive mm. and he's still with his family that's right that's awesome and how do people if they want to read if they want to read you regularly what, what do you what do you recommend they do let's go to breitbart.com uh dot com or you can follow me on Instagram, AWR underscore Hawkins. Um, I don't want to give too much because I know it, it's boring when you keep hearing stuff, but you could also just follow at AWR Hawkins on Twitter. Every Breitbart story posts there when it goes up. Right. And it, good, it, you have a very unique name, so it's easy to find you. Right. So right. just go on the, uh, the the Google machine and AWR Hawkins. Right. Bingo. Yeah. All right. You can hang around and listen to Stump My Nephew. Listen to what? <laughs> uh, wait, wait till you hear this kid. You're gonna be blown away. Yeah, we're gonna have you ask the question to my my nephew. Oh yeah, you're not gonna believe this kid. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. A self-defense event happens in seconds. In the time it takes to listen to this commercial, your life could change forever. I pray you're never forced to shoot in self-defense, but if you must, then you must be ready. That's why USCCA exists, because every responsibly armed American should have the training and education to navigate a self-defense situation. And should you ever need it, the 24-7 Critical Response Team is right there for you. To discover more about USCCA, visit uscca.com slash G-O-R. Act now because the life you save could be your own. That's uscca.com 
slash G-O-R. All right, time for everybody's favorite segment, Stump My Nephew. Sam the Gunman is my nephew, and we found out a few years ago that he's particularly good at gun trivia. So if you send in a question uh, and we use it on the air, we'll give you a hat or a shirt. And if you stump my nephew, uh, we'll give you a special prize. We just had gun prompts, so I don't know what the special prize is, but we will figure out something very special for you. And uh, all right, so Sam, you ready? Yeah, how are you guys? Fantastic, my friend. Um, very special guest today, AWR Hawkins, is going to ask you the question. Sam, are you ready? Yeah, let's have it. This is from James in Southern California. Are civilians allowed to purchase tracer rounds? James in Southern California. Thanks for writing in. Um so I'll, I'll do what I usually do. I'll give the short answer first, and then I will uh, expand on that. Short answer, as far as I am aware, in most states you are allowed to own tracer rounds. Um, I, I say in most states because I know California is weird about a lot of things, so I don't know if you guys have any special restrictions there. Um, but the type of ammunition, and I, I can see where there might be a possibility of confusion here, um, you are not allowed to own ammunition uh, without special permits that is uh, contains more than one quarter ounce of explosive. That becomes a destructive device. And you are not, uh, and this is federal, you are not allowed to own um, armor-piercing handgun ammunition. If it's for a rifle, that's fine, but not for handguns. But as for tracers, yes, you are legally allowed to own them. Um, in At least in my state, you can walk into a store if you're lucky enough to find one that has them in stock. And you can buy them. It looks like so. The answer provided is tracer rounds are actually regulated as explosive materials under federal law. And the ATF has special rules related to the purchase, sale, storage, and transportation of tracer rounds, mostly around precautions against starting fires. Of course, they are outlawed in California, but Penal Code Section one six four six zero A one does have an interesting provision that excludes tracer ammunition manufactured for use in shotguns. James, so I'm going to. Oh. I'm going to have to disagree with uh, with the answer there, um, because the restriction about explosive content would have to do with the type of tracer they are. So, for example, um, I I just saw these for sale at a gun show a couple months ago in my state, and you can buy them over the counter. Um, they're the they're made by or sold by Ammo Inc. and marketed as Streak. And it is a type of tracer that uh, has a little bit of a different chemical composition. Um, so it still provides the tracer effect without being as much of a fire risk. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say he did not stump you. <laughs> I'm going to say you were not stumped. Uh, so James from Southern California, you get a hat or a shirt. Um, congratulations on us using your uh, your uh, your your question. So uh, I got a question for you. It's totally unrelated. I was talking to your your grandfather today. And uh, I was uh, I, I heard an interesting bit of trivia, and I thought I'd tell this story real quick to kind of give some insight as to why you you know all this stuff that you come by it uh, genetically. It's in your DNA. So I asked your grandfather. I said, "Hey, da-, I said, hey, dad. I call him dad. You call him grandfather." I said, "Hey, dad. I heard this interesting bit of trivia. For for the longest time, the highest, uh, the tallest." Uh, 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 human creation was the pyramids. And I said, what was the next thing built? What was the next tallest thing built after the pyramids? Now, I had just heard, what's the astrophysicist, Tyson? 
Neil, yeah, Neil deGrasse, that guy. So he, he astrophysicist on Joe Rogan. He asked Joe Rogan, and Joe said, I, "I don't know." And he said, "The Eiffel Tower." So that's I was all excited to tell tell my dad that I you know it's, it's the Eiffel Tower, which is a, an amazing thing. You know, the pyramids are thousands of years, you know, built thousands of years before the Eiffel Tower. That's how long it took him to take that over. I thought it was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So immediately, what about, the, uh, what about the Colossus of Rhodes? Wasn't that taller? I don't know. Well, immediately your grandfather said the Washington Monument, and I said no, and I stopped, and I thought, you know, I forgot who I'm talking to. Here. That's right. <laughs> and I said, well, why do you say that? He said, well, it's 550. Uh, how, how? Well, I just gave it away, but it's 550 feet tall. 555. 500. There you go. 555 feet tall. Okay, okay. To be fair, I live in Virginia. I could drive and see the Washington Monument in one afternoon. So that's yeah. a little bit unfair. So I said, he said, I don't know how tall the pyramids are, but you know, I think that's taller. You know, and and it and it, and it predates the Eiffel Tower. And I said, no, it's you know, it's, it's actually. Or he, you know, I told him it was the Eiffel Tower. He said, well, I think that predates the Eiffel Tower. I said, you know, I'm gonna have to check this out. Anyway, the astrophysicist got it wrong. <laughs> he absolutely got it wrong. Now, in fairness, uh, my old man didn't get it right either. the The actual answer is he was absolutely right that it is taller than the pyramids. He was absolutely right that it and he, that it's 550 feet tall, and he 55. was 55. 55, and he was right that it predated the Eiffel Tower. But I, I looked it up and got the definitive answer. It's actually the Lincoln Cathedral, um, which was built in 1072. So it, it took him till 1072 A.D. to build something taller than the pyramids. Uh, but I thought that story was a little bit of insight into why Sam knows. Every dang thing there is to know. So I guess that's inherited. It's inherited. It's in your. It's in your DNA. And it's it's a good thing to have. That's a good thing to inherit. Yeah, I think so. How come you didn't get any? I didn't. I got. I. I. I Unfort. All I got was the good looks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Okay. <laughs> I have no one's. You well, know, there's no one's arguing. <laughs> They now will. You mentioned the Washington Monument. I have a homework assignment for you. What metal is used in the cap for the Washington Monument? And uh, the the more interesting question is why? What metal is used in the cap for the Washington Monument, and why? Anybody? I don't know. I th- well, go ahead, Dave. I think is it copper, and it's because of lightning. Um, no, and no. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Good guess, though. It's a good guess. It is the tallest building in Washington, D.C. by law, so that would stand to reason, but that's not the case. What is the metal and why? Um, it is aluminum, and the why is a very interesting uh, historical path to delve down, but the short answer is because at the time it was the most valuable metal, more valuable than gold. Interesting. There you go. Sam the Gunman, awesome As job. Always. Looking forward to what quickly, what's your uh, the next blog? Actually, you're not doing a blog this week um, because uh, we're doing another one, but uh, you, you're doing one for next week, right? So yep, look, next week, I'm not going to reveal it. All I will say is it's a book review. A book review. Fantastic. SDCGO.org slash blog or go to the blog section of Inland Empire, Orange County Gun Owners. AWR, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you for coming down and giving a talk last night. It made the dinner that much more special. Thank you for spending time with us. All right, folks. Subscribe to our show. Give us a five-star review. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. 
and take care of our sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, Orange County Gun Owners, Inland Empire Gun Owners, the Dillon Law Group, Sage Street, San Diego Flight Training International, U.S. Concealed Carry, and a big thanks to Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer.